You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. There were some that accepted the invitation. There were some that accepted the invitation. Now, you might find this exactly when you talk to somebody about the gospel. When you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone, you may be mocked. Now, you're just Jesus freak. Oh, who do you think you are? You're, oh, come on, holier than now. You may be ignored, talk to the hand. But some will accept, okay. Some will accept and want to come. The same thing's happening here. Some ignored, some mocked, but some accepted the invitation. Have you ever wondered if you're truly living out your calling? Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that if you want to do what you're truly meant to do, you need to put your trust in Jesus. Even when you're doing things that seem perfect and right, you will never know if it's meant to be your purpose without God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 30 as he begins his message, Hezekiah's Passover. We read about the new king in the southern kingdom of Judah by the name of Hezekiah. After 84 years through Uzziah, Jotham, and Ahaz, after 84 years of ups and downs in the nation Judah, the nation had reached its lowest point spiritually. We think. Going to go down a little bit further in a while. But a good king comes around. His name is Hezekiah. He was different than most other kings, even in Judah, for he did right in the sight of the Lord. He followed hard after the Lord, choosing to follow the example that was laid before him by King David. That was his example. He wanted to get the people back on track. He wanted to get them back into worship of the Lord God Jehovah. So he reopened the temple. He restored the temple. He restored the worship. He restored the sacrifices according to the law of Moses. He was a great reformer. And through the reforms enacted by King Hezekiah and his example of seeking the Lord, the people of Judah began to return to the Lord. It's amazing how that works. It's amazing how that works. They're beginning to return to the Lord when they have this great example of somebody trusting in the Lord Those people who knew the Lord at one time but were led astray by rotten kings have now come back and they're now putting their trust and their faith into the Lord. And, you know, as we read through the New Testament, both the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John say similar things. They say something like, follow me as I follow Christ. They hold themselves up as examples for us to follow. Can you hold yourself up as an example for others to follow Christ when they look in your lives? That might be a question for another time. But that should be our goal. Our goal is to lead others to Jesus Christ as they watch us following Jesus Christ. 
They should see something different in you. And when they ask, you're able to tell them that it's not you. Instead, it's Jesus and be able to share the gospel message with them. This is the hope and this is what we do. But this is what's happening in Judah. This is what happened in the southern kingdom of Judah. Remember, Judah comprises of the tribe of Judah and the little tribe of Benjamin tucked in the middle. It's contrives of two tribes. The other ten tribes are in the north at a kingdom called Israel. But they have been begun to be carried away. We'll get to that in a minute. Hezekiah is known as a true reformer. He tore down the high places. He broke down the sacred pillars. He cut down the wooden images. If you read through the Old Testament scriptures, there came a time when the people of Israel were not following the Lord. (laughs) Surprise. They were not following the Lord God as they went through the wilderness. The Lord got angry with them, so he sent snakes. He sent snakes into the camp. And if anyone was bitten by the snake, they would die. Moses went to the Lord to intercede on behalf of the people. And the Lord told him to make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole and put that in front of the camp. And if anybody looks at that serpent after they've been bit by a snake, they won't die. So by faith, they had to look at the serpent when they were bit by a snake and they wouldn't die. We know that the Lord Jesus used this same analogy talking to Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up in John 3. But that one thing, that one bronze serpent, became an idol. It became an idol to the nation Israel and particularly to the nation of the kingdom of Judah. And they still had that thing. Years and years and years later, they still had it, and they were worshiping it. They were burning incense in front of it. Hezekiah destroyed it. He called it Nehushtan, a thing of brass. Just a simple thing of brass. It had no no value, no meaning, no nothing. And he destroyed it. That was one of the great things that Hezekiah did. Hezekiah was a good thing because he held fast to the things of the Lord. He didn't depart from following them. He kept the commandments of the Lord that were given to them by Moses. His example, once again, King David. That was his example. Therefore, what happened to the nation? It prospered. The nation prospered. As they drew close to God, the nation prospered. And I likened it to the United States during the two great wars. World War I and World War II. As they were going along, people were coming to the Lord. People were seeking the Lord. People were praying. Churches were open 24-7. Everyone had the Lord on their mind because of these horrible things that were happening. And subsequently, we won two wars, and we prospered as a nation. We prospered as a nation. And I, I think I told this to the guys I was watching, I was flipping through the channels. One of my favorite things is just flip through channels and keep yelling that there's nothing on TV. Um, I was flipping through the channels and I came across the movie Apollo 13. Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. They, they go out to the moon and something happens to the rocket ship in Houston. We have a problem. You remember that one. And they came back. Anyhow, anyhow, there was a, 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 an actual on TV, I think it was Walter Cronkite 
was on TV during this movie, and he was saying, he said this, it's, and I looked it back, this was in the 60s. This was in the 60s when it happened. And Walter Conkright says, Congress has just passed a resolution that everyone should pray for the people in Apollo 13. Excuse me? What? <laughs> yeah. And can you believe in that? I don't think that would fly today. Unfortunately, I don't think it would fly today. I, I really don't. But that's, that's as early or as late as the 1960s, folks. And look where we are now. Look from whence, look where we are. So this is what's happening in Judah. He's making reforms left and right. The, the temple's now wide open. People can come in there and they can sacrifice for their sins. They can confess their sins. They can fellowship. They can pray. They can worship the Lord God, Jehovah. This is a wonderful time. And as the king prospers, so does the kingdom. So does the kingdom. All because they put God first. All because they put God first. This was what was happening. People were returning in droves back to the Lord. They were worshiping in the temple. They were coming in and they were giving sacrifice. But Hezekiah's reforms were not finished. He wanted to continue his reforms. Something extremely important had been pushed aside. Something extremely important, a, a, a feast that was given to them by the Lord that they began back in Exodus, which it was the feast that got them out of Exodus. It's called the Passover. They hadn't celebrated the Passover for many, many, many years. It's been a long time. So Hezekiah gathers the Levites, he gathers the priests, and he gathers the elders together, and he says, we should keep the Passover. It was God's law. And that takes us to chapter 30. Let's read verses 1 to 5. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and the leaders of all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at the regular time, because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together at Jerusalem. And the matter pleased the king and all the assembly. And so they resolved to make the proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, that they should come to keep the Passover of the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner." Now, most scholars believe that when this invitation went out, the northern kingdom of Judah had already fallen to the Assyrians. And many of them were being carried off. But not all of them. Not all of them. There was still a remnant there. And we get this from chapter, verse 6 when it says something about, and then he will return a remnant of you who have escaped the hand of kings of Assyria. So you see, they say that this is what, what is taking place. Now, you know what the Passover is. It's a feast designed by God. So why? What is the purpose of the Passover? Somebody tell me. Why, did the, why do the Jews, even today, celebrate the Passover? Right? An angel of death came down and, and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. That's exactly right. But why do they celebrate this, this feast? It's one of the big feasts. It's probably the biggest feast. Why do they celebrate it? Freedom. Right. They got bondage. They were, they were taken from bondage. This freed them when the angel of death came during the Passover and the blood was sprinkled on the doors. The angel of death passed over them and killed the firstborn of Egypt and he let them go. It was freedom. 
And we know that it represents Jesus Christ. It was celebrated of the Lord's redemptive work, bringing his children out of bondage. All right, so think about this. We celebrate communion. We celebrate communion here the first Sunday of every month. Why? To celebrate Jesus' redemptive work on the cross. It's the same thing. His blood, the blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus, our Passover lamb. His blood, by that we have been set free. When we pass around the communion cups, when we pass around the cracker, what do we say? Do this in what? Remembrance of me. It's the same thing they're doing at the Passover. They're remembering. They eat the bitter um, uh, of herbs, and they remember how bitter that the, the bondage was. They go through the whole lineage of things in a Passover Seder. I'm sure many of you have been to a Seder. It's a kind of a fun thing. All right, so normally the Passover is kept in April. It's kept in April, Numbers 9, 1 through 5. It's our April. However, under certain circumstances and special circumstances, the Passover could be kept in the second month. And you read that in Numbers 9, 5 through 14. Because many of the priests were not consecrated, many of the priests hadn't come back to the Lord and hadn't consecrated themselves, there was a whole process for that consecration that they had to go through according to the law of Moses. Many of them hadn't completed the process. They couldn't celebrate the Passover when it was supposed to, so they could put it off legally to the second month. So that's what's happening here. So Hezekiah sends runners out throughout the land, inviting all of those remaining in the north. I love this. He invites all the people who are remaining in the north to come to Jerusalem for the Passover. In fact, if any of you have been to a Passover, what's the last thing they say? Next year in Jerusalem. It's the last thing they say at a Passover Seder. Next year in Jerusalem, because it was the law that all of the males go to Jerusalem for the Passover. That was a law that was written. You can read all about it in Exodus 12 and all that. You can read all through Numbers, Deuteronomy. It talks about it again, okay? So here we have this. So let's read verses 6 through 9 as these runners go out now, and they're taking with them the message. Then the runners went throughout all of Israel and Judah. Remember, Israel is the northern Kingdom, Judah's the southern kingdom, with the letters from the king and his leaders, and spoke according to the commandment of the king. Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Then he will return the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. And do not be like your fathers and your brethren, who trespass against the Lord God of their fathers, so that he gave them up to desolation, as you see. And now, do not be stiff-necked, sounds like Stephen, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. This call goes out. Come back. Come back to the Lord. I love this. I, I really like it. And notice he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Who's Israel? Jacob, right. Jacob had his name changed to Israel. Remember that. Okay, so he said, those come back to your forefathers. Come back. The invitation promised two things. It promised two things. If the remnant of Israel, meaning the northern kingdom, would return to the Lord and celebrate the Passover. First of all, God's blessing that it would go well with those who were already in Assyria. Secondly, that God would restore the northern kingdom 
and allow them to come back to the land. This is a blessing that was given that they could do. These promises were based on an eternal principle of God's character. Who can tell me one of the best principles of God's character? Begins with a G. R. What? Yes, grace. Absolutely. Grace. God's character is grace. First and foremost, his amazing grace. The truth that he will not turn his face from you if you return to him. God promises to draw near to those who draw near to him. If you seek him, you will find him. And I love this. I really do. Israel and Judah have been at each other's throat since the separation. How many times did you read the kings of each nation went to war with each other? Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of men have died as these two nations or kingdoms, whatever, fought. They were killing each other left and right. And they hated each other. But now God was saying, come back. And what was the main problem with the kingdom of Israel? Idolatry. The Baals, the Moleks, and, and all the other horrible idols that they were serving. And all this filtered into the nation of Judah also. So there was hard, but, but God is extending his hand. Look at this. Look at God's grace. God is extending his hand to them. Come back. Come back to me. I love the fact that the Lord will always accept us back if we return with a broken and contrite heart. He will always accept you back. Always. The Lord is waiting for you right now with open arms just to turn and come back to him. And that's what's happening here. And this letter goes out and, and King Hezekiah says, come on back, come to Jerusalem. We're going to celebrate the Passover. It's going to be wonderful. Get back with the Lord. Get right with the Lord. Look how the tribes reacted. Verse 10 and 12. So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulun. But they laughed at them and they mocked them. Nevertheless, some from Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. And the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. I love this. The heart of the most was cold. They didn't respond to the invitation. In fact, they mocked them. They mocked the invitation. And I'm sure some just completely ignored it. Why? Because they had been so steeped in idol worship. Jerusalem was like a foreign place. It was like a horrible place. They couldn't even think of going there. They knew how far they had strayed from God. I mean, I liken that to you guys watching on YouTube and Facebook that haven't come back yet. You can come through that door. You can come through that door. But the longer you stay away, the harder it is to get back. And these people have been away from Jerusalem for a long time. And they've been doing horrible things. And they're thinking, we can't go back. And God's saying, yes, you can. Yes, you can come back to me. I'm right here. Maybe they thought they'd strayed too far. When we're far away from the Lord, our vision gets clouded. We can't see things clearly. And we may ignore the Lord's call when he's calling us back, because he's always calling us back. We might even mock it. And sometimes we get so far away, we think we can't come back. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie directly from the pit of hell. How many times have we stood up here, either Mark, Bill, or myself, or whomever's up here, and talked about the prodigal son? Prodigal son who took the father's inheritance and squandered it and blew it. And was out there wallowing in pig whatever. And he decided to come back. And the father on the door looking for him constantly. Where is my boy? Where's my boy? And when he sees him from afar off, didn't even wait for him. Ran to him. 
and smothered them with kisses and the ring and the robe and the fatted calf was killed. That's our Lord. Just make one turn and he's there. He's right there. You can never stray too far. You can never stray too far. If you turn around, come back. Now, there were some that accepted the invitation. There were some that accepted the invitation. Now, you might find this exactly when you talk to somebody about the gospel. When you preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to someone, you may be mocked. Oh, you're just Jesus freak. Oh, who do you think you are? You're, oh, come on, holier than now. You may be ignored. Talk to the hand. But some will accept, won't they? Some will accept and want to come. The same thing's happening here. Some ignored, some mocked, but some accepted the invitation. They accepted the invitation. And it says because of a great revival that was happening in Judah, their response was completely different. God had given them a singleness of heart. I love this. A singleness of heart to obey the command of the Lord their king. I love this. Singleness of heart. Oh, how we strive to be single in heart. One heart encompassing us. One heart, one accord, like minds, everything coming together as one, presenting ourselves to the Lord. When he looks down, he sees one. Not a bunch of different people with different agendas and different things, but one. I would, oh, I pray for that. I pray for oneness in this building. I pray for oneness in this church. That's what I see in Judah. They, 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 they had singleness of heart. It says it right there. They had singleness in heart, and they wanted to obey the commands of the Lord. They were unified in their quest for the Lord. We need to be unified so that others can see the Lord Jesus in us. Who wants to belong to a bunch of squabbling, crazy people? Nobody wants to belong to a bunch of people who are at each other's throat. They can have that out there. Why would they want to come in here and have it? We need to be single of heart. They collectively sought the things of the Lord with one purpose, with singleness of heart. And I think it's so important. So important. So they celebrated the Passover. Let's read 13 through 17. Now many people, a great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. Now, if you remember correctly, they've been throwing all kinds of stuff into the brook Kidron. That must be getting pretty crowded in there, man. I'm telling you, every time you turn around, they're throwing something into brook Kidron. Holy miracle. They don't need bridges over it anymore. They can just walk on the stuff that's on there all across the brook. Last time I saw it, it wasn't that big in the first place. But I don't know how big it is here, right? Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. This is all according to how Passover was supposed to be done in Exodus. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to the custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God, and the priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore, the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. You are You've been listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. 
Pastor Dave is sharing teachings that comes out of the ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. In today's message, Pastor Dave has been in the book of 2 Chronicles. Within this book, you get to know all kinds of characters who made an impact on Israel's history, good or bad. A notable lesson that's given through this account is that God gives blessing to His people when they remain faithful. But when people allow their sin nature to take over, it's easy to see how things start to unravel and then fall apart. Just like a closely knit stitch on a blanket, the people of God were blessed and stayed united with God while they were following His ways. But when they turned to their own devices, they just became a tangled mess of yarn in a sense. Their purpose and plan became useless when they were following their own way and what they thought was best. Isn't it easy to get into this type of situation where you think you know better than God? Before you know it, you've become your own tangled and messy pile of yarn as well. How about following God's pattern and seeing the benefit of what that brings? If you'd like to hear more messages from 2 Chronicles, learning of God's faithfulness, go to assurehoperadio.com and look under the Messages tab. Well, we're about out of time for today's edition, but we encourage you to think and pray about what God's teaching you personally through this series in 2 Chronicles. Come back here next time to hear Pastor Dave share more on Assure Hope.